Away we go again. Welcome to another episode of Leave It In The Locker Room, hosted by me, Charlie Green. If you're a returning listener who has been tagging along on the journey, well, I'd like to welcome you back. But if you are new to the podcast series, and I think there might be a few of you this episode, then this is what is in store for you. Each episode, I will have a current or ex-sporting professional on the podcast to put forward three things they would like to remove from their respective sport. It really can be anything, and the point is to give sporting professionals the opportunity to come on, speak openly about what really annoys them whilst partaking in their sport. I'll also be finding out how my guests are doing and have some quickfire locker room questions as a feature to end the podcast. So lots and lots to look forward to. The guests have been getting bigger and bigger each episode, and wow, today's guest is quite possibly the biggest of the lot. We're heading back over stateside to talk to an American professional golfer. She has five professional wins in her short pro career to date, three coming on the LPGA Tour. She was a member of the 2019 US Solheim Cup team and is also a shoe-in to represent the US in the Olympics this year in Tokyo. It brings me great pleasure to welcome on current world number four. Yes, that's right, world number four, Nelly Corder. Welcome on to Leave It In Lock. Thank you so much for coming on. And how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I actually feel really honored to be on this podcast. Oh, that's very sweet of you, Nelly. I'm doing good. Thank you. I'm doing good. So you're obviously in Florida right now. Is it pretty much Mm -hmm. back to normal over there as it seems? Yeah, honestly, it's been, we've been like living life for the past couple of months. I've had a trainer come down from Ohio and he was like, like there's traffic on the road, like people out at restaurants. I'm like, yeah, like for the past couple of months actually <laughs> so we're lucky here yeah and like what are the rules on going out to sort of bars restaurants from wearing masks and all that i mean obviously you still have to wear masks but i'm pretty sure um everything's at full capacity and yeah i mean the only thing that we have to do is just wear masks if you're inside yeah, well i'm quite jealous of that it's it's not so good over here in england we're still in lockdown that's pretty depressing um well come on over Oh, well, I can't. There's a travel ban. But anyway, um, so Nelly, it's been a couple of weeks since your last event. So what have you been up to? Like, how have you been keeping yourself busy? Um, I actually, right after the event in Orlando, I went to California to go test some clubs. So I did that for the first couple of days. And then after that, you know, I, I took a few days off and took time to relax because, I mean, now when we start next week, it's just on go you know you're not going to have much rest time so I took some time had a little mini second off season and um, I usually start training two weeks really hard two weeks before my event but really you know I was just training in the gym practicing trying to stay on top of everything that I need to yeah and then when Nelly Nelly Corder says she's relaxing what does relaxing look like for Nelly Corder (laughs) relaxing for Nelly Corder is I'm sitting on my couch occasionally playing Call of Duty <laughs> and um, other than that just hanging out with my parents my brother's overseas in Europe my sister lives on the other side of Florida so really you know I'm, I just spend some time with my parents and just not think about golf and and on yeah, squads on Call of Duty squads loving it do you ever yep, get random trio. people playing with you or occasionally yeah but I don't like it because <laughs> I don't know I just always put my mic up 
And actually, I'm so bad. I usually play with like the 12 year olds, so I can hear their like a little high pitched voices. And I'm like, wow, this is embarrassing. Okay, mic up. <laughs> um, they, they probably have no idea who you are as well. I mean, that that is classic. So yeah, Nelly Corner, Call of Duty player. There you have it. So yeah, speaking of that event, the Diamond Resort Tournament Champions, where you had a great finish, uh, finishing third place. It was your first tournament back with longtime coach Dave Whelan and a return to form after your peculiar injury at the Women's PGA Championship back in October. What seemed to work so well for you and for what I'm sure was like received as a positive result? You know, whenever you get to play in Florida, honestly, you just feel more comfortable on those golf courses because you know that a lot of the competitors, like a couple of them live in Florida, but I've grown up my entire life in Florida playing on Bermuda golf courses. So I don't know, I've played really well there every single year. Um, haven't pulled off a win but I just feel comfortable out there and and it's a really cool atmosphere unfortunately this year is a little different but it's really like loose you get to play with other athletes so it's just like a different vibe and you're way more relaxed and it's a lot of fun honestly it's a really cool event that's good to hear and quickly touching on the injury that happened back in October what exactly happened and like how are you feeling now are you all back to good yeah I'm at 100 percent it was it was a bit weird I was playing in uh at KPMG and I just did a weird movement on like hole number 13 and it was so cold and so windy and I guess my back went into spasm from that movement and um, it took me a couple months to kind of recover fully I didn't want to come back too soon because you know it was such a weird year and there was no rush so honestly I just I just took my time and I'm I'm good now. Well, that is good to hear. And then, of course, going back to the Diamond Resorts Tournament champions, um, the winner was your big sister and self-proclaimed best friend, Jessica Corder. What I want mm-hmm. to know is, though, what were the emotions like during that final round? Because obviously you wish Jess all the best, but you, of course, are playing professional golf and you want to win yourself, don't you? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I knew going into the round that I had no chance or a very, very slim chance of making a run for it, but I would have to post a really uh, low number. I knew that just had a chance. So I started making, I think I made like four birdies in a row, 10, 11, 12, 13. And I guess I was, I feel like I put a little bit of pressure on Danielle and Jess and I was playing really well. I think I shot, I shot 64 the final round, but I had, it was actually really funny. I think on number 14 is par three. I uh, I hit a shot and I hit an arrow straight at the flag and just kind of hits it out to the right, but it comes in off of the slope and she's like a foot closer than me. I was like, damn. <laughs> so I, I give her the line and I barely miss and she drains the putt. And as she's like walking off, the green I'm like you're welcome for that read and then after she won I was like so do I get a present for that read or (laughs) (laughs) a little bit of the paycheck but like is there much conversation between the two of you yeah for sure there was a lot and it helps that like our caddies are good friends too so it was just it was a lot of fun honestly that's good to hear. And then another big thing involving yourself and Jess in recent months was you both being on the front cover of Golf Digest, which for the first time in history involved a female photographer, a female writer, and then two female subjects being yourself and Jess. First of all, like that must have been something pretty immense to be a part of. Yeah, that was it, it was actually amazing, a huge honor. And, you know, it's it's so cool, honestly, to be on the cover of Golf Digest, seeing us like 
when we're walking through airports, being on the stands near next to all like the celebrities, you know, you're like, oh, that's me. Um, but it was really cool. It was a uh, golf digest team that day. They were, they were so cool. It was so easy to work with them and they just made it a lot of fun. Yeah. And then obviously it's massive for women's golf as well. I know this is a subject we've spoken about in a previous project of mine, so we won't go in and touch on it too much, but how do you think inequality in the world of golf is doing at the moment? How is the women's game looking compared to the men's? I think it's growing. Honestly, if we keep making strides in the right direction every year, I think that'll be great. I mean, honestly, we're not, I don't think we'll ever get the same amount of pay, but if we get the same amount of respect i think then we're moving in the right direction that's a very good media handbook answer nelly quarter well done we'll give you that <laughs> um so moving on to the reason why uh, you've come onto the podcast today and that is for you to come on and put forward your claim and reasoning to why you want three certain things to be removed from the sport golf so the way it's going to work is one by one nelly is going to put forward three things she would like to remove from golf we're then going to discuss them and Nelly is going to try and convince me the best she can that they should be removed from the sport. After hearing Nelly's argument, I'm then going to pick one of the three things to hypothetically remove from golf and leave it in the locker room. So Nelly Corder, what's the first thing you would like to remove from golf, please? First thing, and I think a lot of people will agree with me, is slow play. Honestly, slow play is by far the worst. It drives me insane. I'm a very fast player. I get really aggravated when playing with a slow player. My caddy actually has to calm me down usually. It's like, Nelly, it's okay. Just talk to me. We're a team out here, bud. Don't worry. Um, I think it just, honestly, slow play, it kind of ruins, like, the amount of viewership golf gets. I mean, to be honest, like, if I didn't play golf and I had nothing to do with it and I was watching golf, I would be like, ah, this is, like – not that exciting if someone's really slow you know like you want like excitement you want it to be like a little faster like honestly I think that is one of the main reasons why maybe golf isn't as like popular which it's growing it is growing for kids but I think if it was more exciting and faster and there was it was just faster pace I think it would be more exciting yeah so firstly what do you think is the main contributor to slow play is it like the caddies are the players or is it just the rules of the game i don't think it's the rules of the game at all um i think it's the fact that i've seen a bunch of people like let's say okay so i'm one of the longer hitters right and i'm usually last to hit so i already before everyone's stepping off their yardage and everyone's making a decision before even the first person hits i already know what club i'm gonna hit right but then there's girls that won't get their yardage or won't start talking about it until the girl in front of them hits. So you think it, you know? you're so saying it's it could like, be the player and caddy relationship is causing it to be so slow? I think it's like indecisiveness, correct, honestly. I think it's like a combination of everything where like just make a decision. Like if you think about it too much, then you're in your head, you know? Like if you just... You need to pull the trigger. Like, let's go. <laughs> you know, I, I do totally get what you're saying here. And I know, like you said, you're one of the fastest players on the LPGA Tour. So what would you say is the average amount of time it takes for a round on a professional women's circuit nowadays? I mean, I don't know how it is on the men's, but for us, like five to five and a half. If we're playing three sums. Now, if we're playing two sums, it's a lot faster. Like it's 
it's probably 440, 430. Again, it all depends on weather. It depends on how difficult it's playing, where the pins on are. Like, it's just, it's like, there's not like an average, like, because it, it changes every week. Yeah. No, no, this is something, yeah, the, you do see it all the time. And like, even I can relate to it when I play my very interesting standard of golf that I used to do for a few <laughs> years in college. And like, we would get sort of even six hour rounds and you'd have 36 holes in a day. You'd be teeing off at mm-hmm. 6.30 in the morning, getting in at 6.30. It's just exhausting. It, it really is tough. Is there a particular round throughout your career that you can remember it just being so, so long for you? Oh my God, British last year. <laughs> we were playing in really bad weather. Like, honestly, I'm pretty sure we had like a tropic, we had like an outer bank of like a tropical storm coming through because it, the wind was no joke, like 30 to 40 miles an hour. I think it was like Hurricane Ellen or something like that. It took forever because these girls are like, you're not hitting greens because you're starting at 30 yards out right or 30 yards out left. So it took so long. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, when it does come to this topic and you personally, you can't help not think about what happened at the ANA last year. So where you had a putt uh, to win. I think you had to wait something like 15 minutes whilst Brooke Henderson got a ruling on a drop because her ball was under the the wall or whatever you want to call that thing i guess the stand where there were mm-hmm. no spectators do you think the amount of time you had waiting over that putt affected you in a way i don't know you may never know i mean like you can say yes and you can say no you can say no that like maybe i got more time to think about it to calm down to breathe you know or then the opposite way of i had too much time then like i was overthinking it so honestly like i don't know like yeah i did wait there but then again like I was talking to my caddy. It was a ruling. I mean, I know that um, Catherine Kirk had a ruling as well. She was near the board on the right in the water and Brooke was in the fence, I think, (laughs) back of the green. But honestly, like, I don't know. It could have, but it could have not because, I mean, I hit a decent putt. It's not like I didn't hit a good putt. My wedge shot was bad going in, but I wasn't waiting on that. So honestly, not really. But is that like one of the main moments where, in your career where you can just remember sort of standing there, sort of cursing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was sitting, I had, it was so hot too, Palm Springs in the summer. Holy smokes, by the way. I was um, kind of like crouching on the putting green. I had, and I was just looking down at the ground thinking, oh my God, today. <laughs> like, but there's nothing you can do with a ruling. No, no, that is true. Um, so, but when you do experience slow play and you're waiting on a shot, what are the tactics or methods that you try and use when you're waiting over a shot to sort of keep yourself calm, keep yourself in the moment? Talk to my caddy. Talk about anything but golf. You kind of try to get your mind off of it, especially if you're in like a moment where it's like a really important like A and A on 18. Um, but usually, I just like shoot the shit with Jason. <laughs> Talk Call of Duty, as you do, of course. Yeah. No, no. Actually, he's gotten really into gardening, so uh, we talk gardening. <laughs> oh, how sweet. I love that from Jason. Yeah. Um, I, I do get, yeah, I get exactly what you're saying here, Nelly. 
I mean, the only argument I think you could have against this is that if you were to try and reduce slow play, then that might put sort of pressure on golfers to feel like they have to rush. Like that would maybe then lead to a reduction in quality of play, do you think? Or do you really just not see that being an issue? I don't know. I don't because there's girl, there's not even girls, I can't say girls, but there's girls and guys that take like way too freaking long. Like honestly, like the girl or the guy already hit, why haven't you like made a decision? You know, you've had the time of them already, they made a decision too. Like you've been at your ball for like five minutes. Like why haven't you made a decision yet? You know, like that. Yeah. Okay. So it's time for the million dollar question, Nelly. What do you do about slow play? How do you get rid of it? Um, like, I shot clocks, range finders. Yeah, I mean, start timing everyone, which actually the LPGA is doing this year. Even if you're in position, they're still going to time you. So they are making actually attempts at trying to make the game a little faster. Yeah, so you think we'll just realistically have like a shot clock and then would you have sort of penalty sure. strokes or fines if you are taking too long? I think it'll be it's going to be fined this year. Gotcha. And I guess mm-hmm. this is also something a lot of your fellow professionals are on, are on board with, I'm guessing, slow play. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, Even I'm like right. some of the slow players complain about slow play. I'm like, <laughs> hello. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, good, good first argument, Nelly. So, we'll move on to the second thing. And what is the second thing you would like to remove from golf, please? Okay. The second thing would be hitting from a divot in a fairway. Okay, so why is it that you want to okay. not hit from a divot in a fairway? Like, what do you want to do? You want to just well, when to move, you strike it, honestly, like it's only it's only aggravating when let's say you're in near the hunt, right? And you have a reachable par five, and you stripe a really good one, and you're in a fairway and you can't go for it. You know, like it's just like it just sucks. to be honest it sucks and you wish you're like i wish i could just pick it up and place it so you're saying you only want this to happen if you're in a divot on the fairway if you're in a rough you you play it as it lies yeah no only in the fairway correct okay okay i I do get why this is frustrating i mean like literally as you say there is nothing more annoying than hitting a perfect drive down the middle and you walk up to your ball and it's just sitting in a crater basically correct yeah and you like what if it's like the best shot you've hit that day like and you get up to it and it's in the divot but it's not even that it's like it causes injuries too because you have to hit down on it right so your wrist gets a beating when you hit down on it okay all right interesting so quick one for, for all the listeners out there who might not know like how much of a difference does it make when you hit your ball out of a divot a big difference firstly you have to put it back in your stance well obviously depends where in the divot it is so if mm-hmm. it's in the front of the divot it's, you know that you're club is just going to get stuck going through because you're just hitting down on it you're trying to hit the ball like kind of first in a sense so you're putting the ball back in your stance and you're just trying to trap it so honestly like it screws with the with the spin of it like it can be it can shoot you can chunk it like there's so much that can go into it but the worst is like your wrist hurts so much after you do go after it Okay, so so you mentioned that the wrist and how it could potentially cause an injury. So, like, mm-hmm. how many times have you would say had pain or got injured whilst hitting out of a divot? I mean, injured, no, but I have definitely like let go of a club because it got stuck in the ground. It's not a comfortable feeling at all. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like, 
you're actually trying to hit it harder because you're trying to hit down on it. You're not trying to sweep it, but you're trying to trap it. So you actually have more speed going through it. Okay. I mean, that's interesting. I mean, I, I do get that, but also aren't the courses that you're playing on the professional women's golf circuit, aren't they mostly in pristine condition? So like how often do you actually find your, your ball placed in a, in a divot in a fairway? Quite a good amount. I mean, like you would really? say, yeah, I mean, there's still going to be divots. Like it's not like no one plays on the golf courses throughout the entire year. There's still play on it. So like, there's going to be divots here and there. And then if you're at the end of the week, like, you know, like other girls are making divots too. Yeah, no, no, I, I do get what you're saying. I do get what you're saying. Like the only other thing, and I'm playing devil's advocate here. Don't worry, Nelly. I'm not just giving you a hard time. But the only mm-hmm. other issue I also have here is like, how do you determine what a divot is? Because I know, okay, you get one that might have happened a, a day before or something like that. But then what happens if there's a divot, it was three weeks old and it's basically back to being normal. Like how do you determine what a divot is? Like, isn't that going to be a nightmare to determine it? Yeah, but when it's grown in, like it's, I haven't been in many divots that have kind of like kind of grown in and kind of have it. I've just been in divots that are just straight dirt, you know? Yeah. So I like when there's a bit of grass, like it's not as bad mm-hmm. because there's still, there's still some fluff from the grass. Right. Yeah. But when it's just straight dirt, like you're either hitting the front of the divot with your club and it's just, it gets trapped in it or you let go of your club. Like there's, I do sometimes. <laughs> there's a good argument. So then, what are you suggesting that the the golfing world does then? When so, let's say you you come up, what should be the new ruling when you come up and find your ball in a divot? Honestly, I don't. I wouldn't even have one because at the end of the day, like I'm like I'm like fifty fifty in a way. I'm like okay, this is like what golf is. Like it's like you have to learn how to hit these shots too because like you have to you have to you have to use a different technique to play these shots right it's like a bunker fairway bunker shot you have to put it back in your stance and you have to catch the catch the ball first so it's like but then you're like that just makes golf so much like I feel like easier when if you're in the divot you can just place it on a nice piece of grass you know so it's like I'm like 50-50, 50-50, I have been in a position where it sucks. The worst is when you have like a 50 or a 60-yard pitch shot, right? And you're in a divot. That's yeah. by far the worst because you Why? can't judge it. Because you can't judge the distance. Like there's a high chance because you have such a high lofted club that you're going to chunk it. Mm-hmm. Or you can like kind of like top it and it just goes. Yeah, like a skull. No, not a skull. Uh, not a skull, sorry. You see, that yeah. shows the differences in our um, golfing standard right there, Nelly. Um, so you're basically saying maybe an idea would be you get sort of a, a free drop within, what, a, a club grip length or something? Or a foot, yeah, I would yeah. say. Yeah, that's yeah. the same thing. <laughs> I mean, but, but then also, isn't that then going to cause issues then with ruling? Players going to be like, oh, you know, am I in a divot? I need to get a need to get a, 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 a rules official over. And then that's going to cause yeah. slow play, like... It comes hand in hand, yeah. I mean, there's like, for sure, there's, it could slow down play a lot. It's a good argument, Ellie. I say I'm just playing devil's advocate with you, don't worry. Okay, so now the third thing, please, that you would like to put forward to be removed from golf and put into a locker room, please. Okay, so when a person plays match play, right, they always, and they win the hole, they have honours, so they are first on, on the next hole, so they go off. So what if you let's say what if if you win the hole you get to pick if you go first or second okay this is an interesting one so basically you're saying you would get the choice to choose what you do on the next hole if you win the hole before in match play 
correct because it makes sense because like okay let's say you're on you just won and it's a windy day or you don't know like how the ball's going to react and you're on a par three and you just won the hole before and let's say you're one down or it's even and you really don't know what club to hit you know you're kind of like it's just a question mark right now you're unsure your caddy doesn't know like you don't know how it's going to react Sometimes it's nice, like even when you're just playing a regular event, it's nice to see what the, your competitor's ball is going to do on the green or what the wind's going to do to it, you know? So it's kind of like, in a way, it's an advantage. And sometimes if you go first constantly, it's a disadvantage. So, okay, let's start with the advantages then. So you're saying it, it might be nice to see a fellow competitor's ball flight or what they're doing. What other advantages can you think of from when you sort of get to choose if you get it hit first or second? I mean, I think it's more of, as I said, like seeing how the, it's going to react in the wind, like the firmness of green or where the pin position, if it kicks it somewhere, or it's just how your shot will react. But I think the disadvantage is like, what if you're, what if you're, um, one down right and you want to see how the ball uh, how the ball is going to react and the person stuffs it you know and they have no pressure not as much pressure while when now you have so much more pressure because you know that you have to stuff it as well yeah no that, that's that is a good that's a good point there the other advantage i do guess you get from it also is like let's say you're playing match play you're one up you just won the whole number 16 you get a 17 is like a drivable par four do you think it would be an advantage then potentially to see your playing competitor go first and see if they go for that par four and then you know see what their ball does and then you get the choice of let's say they hit it in the water you then get a choice hitting like a four iron off the tee do you think that's an advantage as well yeah for sure it's like what um what kind of game plan they're gonna have on that hole you get to yeah. see i mean like Again, it's like a advantage and disadvantage. If they pull off a great shot, then you're like, okay, okay, now I have to pull off a great shot. But if they like, let's say the pressure gets to them because you've just won the hole before, and they make a mistake, like you'll be like, okay, like I'm just gonna go safe now and just try to two putt, make par, or just like make an easy birdie. No, I do. I do really like this one. I do really like this one. So. You also spoke about watching your competitor's ball or what they're doing uh, on like a par three, for instance. How much attention do mm -hmm. you play on tour to what your competitor's sort of club choice is and like the discussions that they're having? Club choices, I don't really pay attention to much. Um, again, it depends on who you play with as well. I mean, there's short hitters, there's longer hitters, but I mainly look at how their ball reacts in the wind and what it does on the green. Like if they took a firm bounce or if the wind just if it just ballooned up in the wind and you know you they didn't hit it low enough like it's stuff like that that's how you kind of decide what club you're going to pick because if you need to hit a lower one like you need to trap it so you need to take a bit extra club and hit it a little lower yeah and is there a lot of eavesdropping on other players and caddies conversations when you're over a tee shot or, or whatnot i mean you hear them they all speak just like you regularly so you don't really like it's it's not a lot of whispering out there you just hear what they're saying <laughs> especially when there's no uh, no fans i'm sure yeah you hear everything <laughs> yeah i'm sure uh, some players have found it out the tough way um and talking over your career has there been a time in a match play circumstance when you sort of you've been there and you would have just loved to have not hit that first shot and you could have gone second is there a time you can remember so actually, I haven't played much of match play 
Solheim was my first ever singles win. I played junior Solheim. I lost singles there. And then I played one round at USAM and I was super tired from coming from Q school. I didn't have a practice round and it was like my eighth day of golf in a row. And I was so exhausted and I didn't, I didn't win my first round either. So that was my first ever first round win in the match play event. Really? At the Solheim yeah. Cup? That is mad. Yeah, and it was a pretty so good, I mean, I know, I know the US might have not have won, but you personally had a pretty good Solheim Cup, didn't you? Yeah, it, it, honestly, it was a lot of fun. It was such a cool experience. And uh, there's not much better than repping your country. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, you know, I like repping my country. Um, yeah, might... yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I know you said there might not be a, a moment where you can remember you would like to have hit second. But do you think there is a whole on the LPGA tour where you would really particularly like to see a competitor hit first? One hole on the LPGA tour. It doesn't matter where. doesn't matter where. Like, for instance, so let, let's say we're talking on the, on the men's tour. I feel like a lot of people would like to see somebody hit onto 12 at Augusta just because it's so hard yes, to judge the wins sure. and stuff. So mm-hmm. is there one on the LPGA tour where you think, oh, I would just love to see two people hit in front of me or one person hit in front of me? I know tough questions is why why they come to me for this this podcast, Nelly. Yeah, um, I would say probably maybe I don't know why the only event that comes into mind is AMA number eighteen. Okay, and is, would that be what the tee shot or the second shot or what? Second, let's say you're both in the fairway, which I never was on <laughs> that hole. <laughs> <laughs> Not left rough all the time, and um, I think if like let's say you're both in the hunt and you both were um on the fairway i would probably want to go second and see what my competitor does okay interesting interesting it's a a hard shot usually it's it was weird because last year that fence was a lot closer to the green is that usually a fence fence i don't what is it (laughs) what is it called now i don't know (laughs) i I just called it the blue wall yeah the wall the wall was a lot closer to the green because usually those two palm trees are in play, right? So girls have to chip around it or through it. Mm-hmm. So I guess last year was just different. That's all I have to say. <laughs> fair, fair enough. And I mean, of course, it would be a lot harder even if that wall wasn't there. And then that would be a real interesting to see if people Actually, still go they for it. used to play it like that. Did they? Back in the day. No wall. Yeah, it was an island green, which I think would be an amazing finishing hole. Just put the tee up every single day because we sometimes play the tee back. I think two out of the four days is play the tee back. And I think it would be really interesting if they made it just an island green and we played the front tee all four days. And I think it would just be a huge risk reward hole, you know, especially mm-hmm. coming down the stretch. It would make people think a lot more about going for it, not yeah. sending it into the wall. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the air and air listing right now, there you have it. Take away the wall, take it away. Yeah. And lastly, I mean, do you think back to our discussion of maybe removing just the fact that you always have to hit first if you win a hole in match play, do you think other pros would be, would be on, on board with this? I don't know, because I mean, possibly, I think it would be cool to like, I guess, get it out there and see what other pros would think or what fans would think. I think, um, I don't think it's ever been really brought up, has it? No, I I think it'd be really entertaining as well to have people choose, you know, it gets Mm -hmm. so tactical. And like you said, when the mind games come into it, you know, with the pressure and all that. Yeah, exactly. I feel like then more mind games. See that I was just about to bring up, like, what if there's like a time limit where you can decide, right? So like you get so up onto the like, tee, you get 30, you get 10, 10 seconds, 30 seconds like, to choose. 
correct. Yeah. Because like it would suck if you're like, okay, like you're pulling out your club and then you go, oh yeah, by the way, you're going. Like that would be <laughs> such a bad move. <laughs> I bet people would, would do it though. Liked. People would do it though. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Look at us, you know, reinventing the game will go right here <laughs> on the Leaving Locker Room podcast. Well, I think it's time to move on after that. That's a very good argument there. So um, it's got the time where I have to pick one of these things to remove from golf and leave it in the locker room. Now, Nelly, you've come on and brought some really good points forward here. I, I see three really good points, actually. They're all very, very strong. Uh, so hard for me to pick one. But I think uh, what I'm going to go for and what I've decided to hypothetically remove from golf and leave it in the locker room is drum roll, please. I am going to put in slow play into the locker room. Now, the first reason why I'm doing that is also I have had a uh, golfer on here before, second episode, Gemma Driver, and she ask for slow play to be removed so that's now two golfers have come on they've both asked for slow play so i feel like if i'm ignoring it again i must be doing something wrong so uh <laughs> that's my first reason why it's going in um but like you said it's also it's a major thing it just it's it's holding back the sport in a way just because it's it's making it a bit more dull golf is seen as like an old person's slow game it's not entertaining and this is happening all the way from the top level in the pros all the way to the amateur it's just too too long so that is why i'm putting it in also it just needs the golf become more watchable it needs to become more engaging for the audience so uh that's why it's going into the locker room i think happy i like it yep good good. right i think it's time for some locker room questions henry please take it away with some exciting news from our sponsors buda vida That's right, Charlie. It's time for Locker Room Questions with Nelly Corder, brought to you by Buda Vida, the activewear brand giving back to women in sport. So head over to the Buda Vida website as they have a new range of activewear available, including an amazing new bamboo collection. So not only is 5% donated to women's sport with every purchase, you're saving the environment too. Just use the code hashtag leave it in the locker room to get 30% off your brand spanking new Buda Vida items. Charlie, I'm like a below par Attenborough. Now it's time to play our end of podcast feature, Locker Room Questions, an opportunity to find out what really goes on behind the doors of the locker room on the LPGA Tour. So Nelly, this is going to be some quick fire questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So my first one is your go-to pre-round meal. Well, usually we play in the mornings, but um, I eat a lot in the mornings because I know I'm not going to have lunch. So I'll have eggs, oatmeal, and fruit. Okay, eggs, oatmeal, and fruit. Pretty good option there. Pretty good. It's better. better. We've, had, uh, we've had baked beans and all that. Do you even know what baked beans, that was our last episode, Christian Thomas. Do you know what baked beans are? I do, but not in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my second question. Do you have any pre-round superstitions? Yeah, I mean, my ro- warm-up routine is the same every single time. I go out probably an hour before I'm on the range. I start with 54, pitching wedge, 8, 6, hybrid, 3-wood driver. Then I go into the – then I go – oh, and then I hit four pitch shots after, always four. And then I go to the short game area if it's walking distance. If it's not, then I just go, nope. (laughs) If it's walking distance, (laughs) if it's walking distance, I usually hit six bunker shots. And I uh, I chip around and then I go to the putting green. 
Uh-huh. Okay. Next question. Funniest person on the tour? Okay. There's a couple. Honestly, I loved playing with Shen Shen Feng. She was so funny, but it was always like in a really innocent way. And she was so funny. I played with her in Korea one year and she walked behind me and she was like, Nelly, you're really beautiful. You know how I know you're really beautiful is because your head fits, I think, seven times into your body. <laughs> so she was like behind me, counting. <laughs> I've never heard that before. I've never heard that's yeah. what makes somebody pretty. And then, and then I was, and then I played with her at Diamond my first year, and I played with this really tall baseball player, ex baseball player, and she was like, "You guys are so fast walking. You guys are like one, two, one, two, and I'm, and she's like, and I'm one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. Just keep up with you guys. Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay, moving on, moving on. Best dancer on the LPGA tour? Megan King. Yeah, 100%? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and and what is the dance move that Megan King normally whips out on a dance floor? Drop it, drop it, little girl. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, how did that go again? Drop it, drop it, little girl. Uh, you'd love to see it. Okay, you'd love to see it. Um, next one. Which fellow tour member spends the most time in front of the mirror in the locker room? We all do. I'm just going to say we all do because we apply sunscreen in front of a mirror. Every morning we apply all of our uh, serums and moisturizers and uh, sunscreen in the morning in the mirror. What a boring answer. What a boring <laughs> answer. Okay. Uh, messiest player on tour? I don't know because I don't room with a lot of people. I've only roomed with, I've roomed with Allison Lee. She's not messy. Megan King, she's not messy. And my sister, and she's definitely not messy. Maybe, so. it's, just, maybe it's you, maybe it's a caddy. Who knows? Maybe it's me. No, my caddy is definitely not messy. He's OCD about that. Okay. All right. Penultimate question. For you, the worst moment walking back into the locker room? Honestly, I think it was, um, I wasn't even disappointed at ANA because I know that I played well. I think the worst one was on <laughs> it was 2018 in Singapore when Michelle, I was in the hunt all day and it was for my first win. And Jess won the week before. So I really wanted to win, obviously. And she won in Thailand. And um, Michelle, Michelle's playing on 18 and I'm over my ball on the 18th tee. And I hear this huge roar. She makes it off from off the green, like a massively long putt. And you know, I back off, like I know something just happened. So I hit a really good tee shot. And I actually hit a really good shot in, but just the nerves got to me and I, I pushed it. So that was definitely, I think, one of the hardest walks going back into the locker room, because I had it all day. I was tied for the lead or I was leading all day until the last hole. I'm sure. And then on on a more happy note, the best moment walking back into the locker room? Australian Open. Yeah, for sure. And even even uh, even my first one, they're all, honestly they're all great. No, all no, I'm not great. allowing you to do that, Nelly. You have to pick one. <sighs> okay, all of the wins are great, but I would say Australian Open was by far the one that stood out to me. Especially so you could join that that quarter club as well. Exactly, I wouldn't be left out. <laughs> well. It's time to finish off. Nelly Corder, thank you so much for coming on to Leave It in the Locker Room. You've been a fantastic guest and it's always a joy speaking to you. Good luck. Is it Gainbridge in Orlando, the next one? Correct, yeah. Uh, game feels good? Yeah, feels good. Okay, well, we look forward to them. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on. 
No problem. Thanks for having me. And that concludes another episode of Leave It in the Locker Room. Thank you so, so much for Nelly Corder coming onto the podcast. And I wish her all the best in what is a jam-packed couple of months coming up on the women's circuit with all the majors, Sohan Cup and the Olympics taking place. So best of luck to her. Thank you all, of course, for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you'd like to keep up to date with all the news and he'll be coming on the podcast in future months, please follow at By The Green Media on Instagram and Twitter. And don't be afraid to share your thoughts. I'm always happy to hear feedback and of course please download and subscribe to leave it in the locker room on spotify apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts and i look forward to welcoming you all again back for the next episode thank you all once again for listening bye for now